Dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for uh, the day that we can gather together and worship you. And uh, I pray that as we look at your word, we look at uh, the words of David this morning, you would uh, use them to uh, comfort us and help us to uh, be able to relate to what he's saying and, and the emotion that he he shows here. Uh, I pray that we would uh, see how we can uh, process through uh, different times in our life when we need to uh, call out to you and to rely on, on you and your faithfulness and who you are. Um, pray that you would help each one of us as we look at your word to, uh, to come to it humbly and, and be ready to uh, see where we need to change and see where we need to grow in our own uh, interactions with each other and in our interactions with you. Um, I just uh, thank you again for this morning. I pray that you would help us as we uh, uh, look at your word now. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. It is great to be back with you guys this morning, uh, sharing the word, um, filling in for Pastor Scott as he's on vacation. Uh, we are going to be in Psalm chapter 13, so if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles. Um, this is a sermon that I uh, put together several months ago now, uh, back in the spring. Uh, it was actually for one of my uh, Old Testament classes. And at that time, it was just after this coronavirus pandemic had really started. It was, I think it was in April that I did this. So it was, it was fairly early on in this process. And uh, this, this psalm is very relevant to uh, the emotions and uh, feelings that we had at that time, and the truth of the matter is that not a, not a lot has changed in that regard. Um, things have progressed a little bit, but really the way that this, this psalm compares to our current situation hasn't changed a whole lot. And really we are living in unprecedented times, times that we've never seen before and probably thought, never thought we would. And the emergence of this coronavirus in, in really in March of this year threw all of our world into something that we didn't think we would see. We're seeing, we were seeing stories on the news of numerous people dying every day from this virus and many people getting sick especially the elderly or immune-compromised people were especially at risk of this. And they were dying at an alarming rate. There was thousands of people every single day that were passing away. And it was almost like we were literally living in a nightmare in, here in 2020. And in response to this pandemic, uh, governors and rulers across the country were uh, instituting guidelines to try to keep people safe and, and in effect were telling citizens that they had to stay in their houses for over two months. And although a lot of that has been lifted or changed now, the reality is, is that for a lot of people during the midst of that, it seemed like it would never end. It seemed like there was no end in sight. And in reality, there's really not a timeline as to when we might be out of this. We don't know when this is going to be over. And that's really what David is talking about in this psalm. This is the How Long, O Lord psalm. 
And also, this, this new reality that we've been living in in, this, in in 2020 has really led to a new level of divisiveness between people in our communities. We had some that were deemed essential workers, and they had to continue going out and going to work so that they could provide the services that we all need. But then there were others who were deemed non-essential, or they were too high risk to be able to do their jobs. Both sides seemed to have high levels of animosity to each, towards each other, even though neither one of them were responsible for what was going on. And even Christians, we were no longer allowed to fellowship like we had been with our other church members. Instead, many churches, the ones who had the capability, were forced to watch their pastors preach a sermon on, on the internet, on Facebook or whatever. And those were the churches that were able to do that. And the people of God were left yearning for the fellowship that they, that they need. And thankfully, we are able to meet again. But in the midst of that, it was, it was a long time that we couldn't meet together. And it seemed like it was never going to end. And even when we do go out for the... Go, go out for essentials like groceries or medical care. Everyone you see is wearing a mask. You don't get to see people's smiling faces anymore. You don't get to see the world that we were so used to. Now instead, everybody wants to get in and get out as fast as they can and not deal with anybody. Stress levels are through the roof when you go out into the, into the world, go out shopping. It just is tense when you go into stores. Back during the shutdown, uh, I ventured out to uh, one of the local hardware stores to pick up something that I had ordered online. And I had to sit, as I sat in the parking lot, waiting for them to bring my order up to, to my truck, sat there for over an hour, and I had the opportunity to people watch in the parking lot. This store had over 75 people lined up most of the time, and the line went wrapped around the store. Everybody was standing there in line in masks, six feet apart. Couldn't see if anybody was smiling, if anyone was happy. Couldn't see anybody's faces. Although I'd be pretty surprised if anybody was smiling. Everybody seemed pretty miserable. And then as these people were waiting in line, I didn't see anybody having conversations with each other or being warm and inviting to anybody. And even about every 20 minutes, somebody would get all upset and start yelling at the lady at the door because they couldn't go in the store. And the lady would explain, I, we, have a, we have a limit on the amount of people we can let in the store. Just doing my job. It didn't matter. The person would get all upset, start screaming and yelling and leave. And as I'm sitting there observing all of this insanity, I couldn't help but think of a few questions. Like, what world am I living in? What is going on? This can't go on forever, can it? And at that time, we were shut down. Our, our church wasn't meeting uh, because of the, the restrictions we were under. And I was, how long can, to, until I can see my church family again? How long until we feel safe to go outside again? Go out in public? How long until I can see the faces of my loved ones again? 
How long until I can have a conversation with a stranger again? How long can we really go without all of these people working their jobs? At that time, many people were out of work. How long before it gets worse? Is God actually seeing this? What's He going to do? Is He ever going to do anything about it? Is He going to allow this to keep going on? Is it going to allow it to get worse? Those are the questions that we think of when we feel like our trials are never going to end. And unfortunately, this situation that we're in is not the only time many of us have faced these questions. Some of us have circumstances that we face every day that can cause us to feel despair and wonder, when is God going to do something? Some of us have been struggling with our circumstances for a long time. We all face how long questions at some point in life. And they probably look a little different to everybody. For instance, how long do I have to deal with this? How long am I going to struggle to pay the bills? How long will I be paying off this debt? How long do I have to keep putting up with her nagging? Or how long do I have to keep putting up with his bad attitude? How long will I be sick? How long until I find a spouse? How long until we are able to have children? Or how long until these kids give me a break? Or how long do I have to keep putting up with my boss? Or how long until I can find a job? You see, everybody faces these situations at one point or another. So how do we handle it? How do we handle these times? Because they're going to come. Do we let our frustrations boil up inside of us until they, they blow and we take it out on somebody? Or do we vent our frustrations to whoever will listen and we just end up complaining about it? Do we allow our circumstances to tailspin us into despair and de- depression? Because that can happen. How do you handle life when your disappointments keep adding up? And how do you handle life when things seem like they're never going to get better? This is exactly what David was feeling when he wrote Psalm 13. He wrote this psalm to show us how we handle times like this. How we handle our own disappointments. He wrote this psalm to show us how to handle life when it seems like things will never get better. So turn with me, if you would, to Psalm chapter 13, and we'll read through it. All. We'll read through it all right now. It says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. You can see quite a bit of emotion there from David. David's going through a lot right here. 
And we see some of the background info for this psalm is we do see that in the, in the superscript title there that David is the author. So we know who wrote it. But what's interesting is what we don't know. We don't know David's situation. We don't know the historical setting of when David wrote this. We know a lot about David from Scripture. And we know that David faced a lot of trials. David faced a lot of times where he could have been feeling this. Whether it was when Saul was chasing after him, trying to kill him, or when his son Absalom was trying to kill him and take his throne. David faced plenty of hardships in his life. And we don't really know what's going on here, and I think that's intentional. I think if, if we knew exactly what David was going through, it would be harder to relate to what he's talking about. We would say, well, I'm not being chased down by the king of the land trying to kill me because he knows I'm going to take his throne, so this doesn't necessarily apply. Or, my son isn't trying to chase me down and kill me to take my throne, so I'm not really in that situation. So, no, we don't know any of that. But what we see is David's heart. We see David's emotion, and we can relate to that. We can relate to how he's feeling. Like David, we often have to wait for God to act. Like David, we get frustrated. That's what we see here. David is frustrated. And we feel like things will never get better. You see, David felt so frustrated, he felt like he was going to die. That was the situation he was facing. And we also see that David is really bringing his complaints to God. He's really complaining here in the first couple of verses to God. So that brings up an interesting thing to think about because we know from the New Testament it says to do all things without grumbling or complaining, right? So what about here? And we see this throughout the Psalms. There's different times in the lament Psalms. Really, the laments are complaints. They're, they're complaints that the author is voicing to God. So we kind of need to think about, is it okay to complain? Because the New Testament says don't grumble or complain. I think one important distinction here is, who is David talking to? David is bringing his complaint to God. David's not complaining to his friends. He's not complaining to those around him. He's complaining to God. And he's not complaining about God. He's not complaining about God, who God is. He's voicing his complaints about his frustration, his laments, his frustrations about what's going on. I think that's something we need to keep in mind. Why wouldn't we bring our complaints to God, right? I mean, none of our lives go exactly the way that we think they should or they, we want them to. So why wouldn't we go to the one who's in control? Why wouldn't we go to God? Because a couple things happen when we bring our complaints to God. Often when we voice our complaints, it can either show us where we're thinking incorrectly where my thinking isn't right, and this is why I'm frustrated. Or, it can remind us who is the one that can actually do something about it. Who's the one that's in control? So really, bringing our frustrations and our complaints to God is often helpful for us. 
And that's what we see in David, because David's laments or his complaints always bring him back to worshiping God. Worshiping who God is. And that's what we see here in Psalm 13. Really, in this psalm, as many lament psalms are, they're, they're broke, it's broken up into different sections. And this psalm is easy to see that because there's six verses, and each every there's three different sections. There's a lament section, a petition section, a request section, and then a praise section. The first two verses there, we see David's lament, his complaint. Then we see in verses 3 and 4, David's petition. He's making requests of God. He's asking Him for things. And then the last two verses, verses 5 and 6, we see David's praise. David is praising God. So, let's dig into this psalm a little bit deeper. We see, again, in the first two verses, David's lament. And he uses a rhetorical question to to voice his complaints. And he keeps repeating this how long question. The first verse there, he says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? And whatever David's circumstances is here, he feels like God has forgotten him. He Literally, in, in the Hebrew, it says, Until when, Lord? Until when? And David's wondered, David wonders if his sorrow and his grief is ever going to end. As one commenter says, to forget in, the, in Hebrew is not purely a cognitive act, meaning it's not just thinking. To remember is to act positively towards somebody. To forget is the opposite, to withhold help and comfort. So not only is David asking God to remember him mentally, to think about him again, but to do something. Remember me, do something about it. We see this in the Old Testament when God tells Israel to remember what I did for you and delivering, delivering you out of Egypt. He's not just telling them to think about it. He's asking them to respond. Remember by responding in faith. Remember by obeying. That's what David's asking God to do here. Remember me. Show me that you remember. Show me that you haven't forgotten me. He goes on to say, How long will you hide your face from me? See, David feels alone. Feels like God has left him. And this is David's perception. That God's left him alone in his trouble. While this is David's perception, it's not necessarily the reality. Because we know God never left David. He might have withheld his hand of grace at that time and allowed this trial to happen, but God didn't leave. God knew what was going on. God was aware of everything that was going on in David's life. And he might have hidden his face from David for whatever reason. You see in Psalm 30, another instance where David says, you hid your face from me and I was dismayed. And we have no reason given as to why God hid his face. It might have been sin that was in David's life. We don't know that. Or it might have just been God allowing a trial in David's life. But either way, David's, David feels like this has gone on long enough and he's crying out to God, voicing his complaint, saying, God, you've, you've hidden your face from me long enough. Please do something. He continues in verse 2. He says, How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all of the day? 
How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? So you see two more of these how long questions. The first one reveals David's psychological struggles, his mental struggles due to this trial. David's mind is in turmoil. He's full of sorrow. And he's at the end of his own ability to process this trial. He can't do it anymore. He can't handle this on his own anymore. And the second question reveals a little bit about David's particular circumstance. There's some enemy that David is facing that he feels is going to have victory. Again, we don't know the specific situation. This could be, as the king of Israel, a, a political enemy or another country that was at war with them that he felt might be winning the battle. Or it could have been a personal enemy like we talked about with Saul or Absalom or any other of the trials that he faced in his life. But either way, David is feeling defeated. He feels like he's going to lose. And he's pleading with God to help him. And how often do we find ourselves in a similar situation? We may not voice it like David does, but we feel it. I know I do. I felt it before. How long will this go on, Lord? How much longer? I can't take this any longer. We all feel that at some point. And the important thing is, it's okay to bring these complaints to God. Who else would we want to complain to? It's okay to feel this way. That's one of the greatest things about the Psalms is David shows us his emotions. And a lot of times we can, we can feel like showing our emotion or feeling different emotions isn't right. and we shouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. We should just grit our teeth and bear it and, and just deal with it. But as we see in David, it's okay to feel this way. It's okay to cry out to God and to voice our complaints to God. Why wouldn't we want to bring it to God? He can do something about it. Your friends can't do anything about it. Facebook can't do anything about it. God can. So why wouldn't we bring our complaints to God? But the important thing is, this psalm is longer than two verses, isn't it? We aren't just left with David's complaint. So don't leave it there. Don't just complain about your situation and leave it there. What we have next is David's petition, his requests. He's asking God for something in verses 3 and 4. He says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. And we see an important thing here is David pleads with God to answer him and he also recognizes who God is. O Lord my God. He is my Lord. He goes on to say, Light up my eyes unless I sleep the sleep of death. David feels like his life is in danger. Again, we don't know why. We don't know the circumstance, but we can see it's very serious. David feels like it is very serious. And for David, this wasn't just serious for him personally, but he is the anointed king of Israel. And David knows if he dies, that's trouble. That's big trouble for Israel. He is God's anointed king. And he was meant to lead Israel. So David asked God to spare his life so that the enemy, his enemy, God's enemy, the enemy of God's people, 
would not triumph. We see that in the next verse where he says, Let my enemy say I have prevailed, lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him, and lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. You see here David's concern for his country. David asked for victory over this enemy. And whatever his situation was, David felt like he needed God's help. As one commenter says, he says here, the psalmist reveals his belief that God does not want the enemy to triumph in an ultimate sense. After all, God will use pagan nations and people to be the agents of his judgment, but he does not want them to be victorious in the end. For example, we have Babylon and Syria who God used to judge Israel, to bring them into captivity. But that doesn't mean God was now choosing Babylon or Syria to be his people. Israel's still his people. And God still has a plan for Israel. David knew that the sovereign God had an ultimate plan in all of this. And he knew that God would take care of him. And God would take care of his people. David is trusting in God's sovereignty here. David needs God's help to gain victory over this enemy. And as we see a lot in in David's Psalms, David always saw himself on God's team. And the enemy was the opposite. For David to live and defeat the enemy was to give God the victory. As Derek Kidner, a commentator, says, he says, whether verse 3 means that illness was the cause or the effect of his low ebb in David's affairs, these two verses show us the two poles of David's world. On the one hand, you have God for whom life would be unsupportable. And on the other hand, the enemy because of whom any wavering would be unthinkable. Awareness of God and the enemy is virtually the hallmark of every psalm of David. The positive and negative charge which produced the driving force in David's life. See, David knew he was on God's side and that the enemy was not. And he pleads with God to act because if David loses, then so does God. If David loses, then so does Israel. And you might be thinking, okay, why? what does this have to do with, with David's feelings here? What does this have to do with David's lament? Well, what we see here is David's theology coming through what David believed. David's theology is informing his thinking in every part of this prayer, in his complaint, in his requests, and in his praise. The way David processes these circumstances is by reminding himself of what he believes about God and about who God is. So we've already mentioned our own complaints that we face sometimes, our own how long situations. And we said we don't need we need to not leave them at complaints. So when you do voice your complaints to God, do you follow it with a specific request like David does? For example, do you just ask, How long until I find a job? Or do you say or do you ask God to provide you provide for you if that is his will? Do you simply ask, how long am I going to be sick? Or do you also ask God to heal you, if that is His will? Do you simply ask, how long until I find a spouse? Or do you ask God to bring the right spouse into your life? 
if that is His will. See, we can be very good at complaining, but do we actually ask God for what we need? And how do we ask? Do we ask God for things according to His will? Or do you say, God, I know what you want for me, so please give me what I'm asking for. We do tend to do that, don't we? But ask yourself this, does he actually want that for you? Or do you want that, and you want God to give it to you? Is that what God wants? Or have you just informed him of what God's will should be? See, your theology is going to inform your thinking one way or the other. But is it good theology? Do you have good theology that's informing what you think? If your theology tells you that God wants you to be happy and healthy and wealthy and successful, you have bad theology. God wants you to glorify Him in whatever situation. See, because if we believe that that's true, then when we don't have those things like happiness or health and wealth or success, then we think we've done something wrong or that God's done something wrong. But when you realize that God allows trials into your life and you need to glorify Him no matter what that trial is, then you have good theology informing you and you can process what's going on. Asking God for what we need reminds us of who God is and who, who is the one that can provide our needs. Voicing your complaint to God is a good thing as long as that's not where you stay. We need to move to making requests of God like David did here in verses 3 and 4. But again, that's not where David stays. He moves to praise in verses 5 and 6. So David's moved from lament or complaint to request and now to praise. And David reminds himself here of who God is. He says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. And this, the, the construction of this verse is very important. And not many English verses translate it the same or in a way that represents the Hebrew very well. Here in, in the Hebrew, the, the word I is report, uh, repeated twice. It's, it stands alone as its own pronoun, but it's also on the end of the verb. So really the best way to translate this is, but I, even I, have trusted in your steadfast love. He's emphasizing the pronoun here. He's emphasizing that even he, even despite all this, even David has trusted. Even though he's facing these circumstances, even though he feels abandoned by God, even though he feels like he will die, even though he feels like the enemy might win, he reminds himself that I've trusted in God. I have trusted in your steadfast love. And that word there for steadfast love is the Hebrew word hesed. And that's an important word. It's a, it's a word that describes God's character. It's translated many different ways throughout the Old Testament because we don't have a direct English word that represents it. It could be steadfast love or faithfulness or 
loving kindness or mercy. It, it's translated in a multitude of different ways because it's hard to represent the, the whole meaning of that word in English. But what it really is is a description of God. It's who God is. It's God's character. And he's remind, David is reminding himself that he is confident in God because of all that he's done in the past. David reminds himself that even though these terrible circumstances have come into his life, he is still loved by God. He says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. David is reminding himself that God is still good and that God is in control. Remind yourself of those things regularly. That's good theology. God is good and God is in control. That is always true. It will never change. God is in control of all things. And God is always good. That will never change. And David is remembering that. That's how David's processing this situation. He goes on to say, My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. David's confident here. He knows salvation is coming. And he knows where salvation comes from. David knows that God will provide the salvation. He vows to rejoice. He says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. That he knows God will provide. So when you ask from things, do you ask confidently? Do you know God will provide? Or do you just ask as a last resort because nothing else is working? David is showing his trust in God. Even though he felt in a couple verses earlier that God had forgotten him and that he had left him and hidden his face, he's reminding himself, no, I trust in God. God will provide my salvation. Is the same true of us. Do we only have confidence in God when things are going well and life is good? Or do you still have confidence in God when it's kind of uncertain? And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know when this is going to be over. I don't know how the election is going to turn out. And I don't know how the coronavirus is going to go away. I don't know what my job is going to look like. And I don't know. Is God still good? Is God still in control? Yeah, he is. In this last verse here, verse 6, he says, I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Here we see David vowing to praise God in the future. David closes his lament and plea for God's help with a promise to praise him in the future. He's confident in his God. David is confident that God will deliver. And the reason that David gives for his praise is because God has dealt bountifully with him already. See, this is again past tense showing David's remembering all that God's already done for him. David's future praise of God is not contingent on his future blessing. He's not saying, I will praise you again if you help me again. I will praise you again if you do this for me. No, he's saying... I will praise you because of all you've already done. David's already been blessed enough to praise God forever. 
And one interesting thing to notice here in David's praise section is that it reveals David's view of blessings in his life. David's worship is all-inclusive. And again, different translations translate these verbs differently, but really, in verses 5a, 5b, and 6, the verbs are all different tenses. He uses past, present, and future. In the beginning of verse 5, he says, I have trusted, meaning, I've trusted you in the past. I have trusted you. End of verse 5, he says, my heart is rejoicing. My heart shall rejoice. That's, that's present tense. My heart is rejoicing right now. And then 6, I will sing. Past, present, future. That's David's view of God. That's David's view of God's blessing in his life. David has a holistic view of his worship. He remembered his past worship of God, his present worship of God, and he promises to worship God in the future. And that's how David's processing these difficult circumstances. It always comes back to praise. This is how David processes his emotions. He reminds himself of who God is when he talked about his steadfast love, his hesed. He talked about what God has done, what God is doing right now, and what God will do in the future. And that's our model for processing our own emotions and our own difficult circumstances and our own how long questions when we're waiting for God to act. We have to go back and remind ourselves of what God's Word says. Remind ourselves of what God is doing. What God has done in the past and what God will do in the future. We need to remind ourselves of who God is. That's our only hope when we don't feel God acting in our life or we don't know what God is doing. We've got to remember what we believe. So again, there's many opportunities in our own life to ask these how-long questions. Especially in light of all that's going on in the world right now. How long will this go on? How long till we can go back to church? How long until I can go out in public without fear? How long until I can see my loved ones again? And again, these, these how long questions have been around a long time for some of us. How long will I be sick? How long until I find a job? How long until I find a spouse? And so on and so on and so on. The question is, how are we going to handle it? Are we going to choose to handle them biblically like David did here? Because we can use this as a model for ourselves. Or are we going to let them control our thinking? And control our actions? And really let it spiral us downward into despair and depression? We should follow David's process here of handling these how-long situations. See, David moved from lament, from his complaining, to his petitions or his requests to praise. So what does that look like for us? Well, a few examples. Maybe your complaint is, how long is this coronavirus going to last? Well, you can request, God, please heal our country and allow us to get back to normal soon, if that's your will. And remember to praise God by saying, God, I will praise you for who you are, for what you've done, 
what you are doing and what you promise to do in the future. Or maybe, how long until I find a job? God, provide for me all that I need and supply a job for me to support myself, if that's your will. And God, I will praise you for who you are, for what you've done, for what you are doing, and what you will do in the future. How long will I be sick? God, please heal me and allow me to come, become healthy again, if that is your will. But God, I will praise you for who you are, for what you have done, what you are doing, and what you will do in the future. How long until I find a spouse? God, please bring a godly spouse into my life if that is your will and prepare me to be a godly spouse in the future. But God, I will praise you for who you are, for what you have done, for what you are doing, and what you will do in the future. You see how that can keep us balanced and focused on God throughout our circumstances, throughout our situations? See, David provides us with a model of how we can express our feelings and frustrations to God. He moves from lament to petition to praise. He remembers who God is and what He's done. We too can process our difficult times and our feelings by following this same model. But, remember, we need to allow our thinking to be informed by good theology. That's what we see in David here. Following this model, David provides will allow us to remember our good theology and process our circumstances biblically. That's the only way we can handle these situations. Bad theology can get you off track pretty quick. Remember what God's Word says. Remember what God Himself has said about Himself about what He's done and what He will do. That's the only hope we have. We need to process these difficult times and our difficult circumstances and our emotions that we feel. God gave us emotions so that we can express how we feel. But we need to do it in a biblical way. And that's what the Psalms are for. That's what David shows us here. We need to follow David's model and express our emotions and feelings in a way that glorifies God. That's the only way we can process through them and glorify God. Let's pray. Dear God, we do thank you for who you are and for what you've done in our lives, what you promise to do every day and in the future. And we thank you for this model on how to process our feelings in your word. We pray that we would uh, remember this and use it each day. Pray that as we go out from here that we would glorify you in the, what we say and what we do and how we interact with other people. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.